Please stand for the reading of God's word. Our scripture today is John 1, 1 to 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is God's word. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, Bev, for reading. Move this. This Advent season... We have been reflecting on the truth that God is with us from Philippians, Exodus, Matthew. Uh, each of those messages in their own way have pointed out the significance of God's desire to be with us. And in my message this morning from John 1, we're going to continue to see God's desire to be with us, paying special attention to the context of the incarnation. Of course, so we're on the same page, the incarnation is the embodiment of God the Son, when God took on flesh, when God became man. So we're going to consider the miracle of the incarnation in light of everything that comes before it. Because as John points out, before there was light, there was darkness. But the light has come, and we must respond to him. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we come before you with this word, wanting to know more about you and the significance of the action you took. Help my words communicate your intent. God, may my words uh, be made meaningful to these people through your spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every year when we approach Christmas, our world transforms a little bit. We notice discernible clues that the season has changed. Each time you go into a store, it seems like everyone's playing the same music. Isn't it amazing that every year for two months, our country listens to the same 50 songs? There might be a hundred versions of Deck the Halls, but at the end of the day, it's Deck the Halls. But music, music clues us into the change. Another seasonal clue of this change are decorations, the colors of Red and green show up everywhere. 
from clothing to toys, cookies you eat and the plates they're served on. And of those decorations, one important one is Christmas lights. And just for curiosity's sakes, uh, if you have put up lights anywhere around your house, can you just raise your hand really quick? Yes, love it. You do this instinctively, right? You understand that there's a change of season. And if you're like our family, then you look forward to this annual transformation. When the clock strikes 12.01 after Thanksgiving Day, you are free to unashamedly blast those 50 songs, put up your tree, and hang up the lights. And we do it because that change brings us joy. It brings us joy. And here's a specific example uh, to capture what I'm saying. A few weeks ago, Steph and I decided to take our family to Gillette Stadium because they have this magic of lights uh, display going on. And we asked our kids, hey, do you want to go see the lights together? And of course they said yes. So we loaded up the kids in a car and made our way to Foxborough. And we punched it into Google, and it had us take Route 16 going south, which meant we passed through towns and neighborhoods, weren't on the highway. Well, something that Steph and I didn't anticipate but was so great is that every time we passed a house decorated with lights, our kids would erupt with joy, like the light show started. We'd pass a decorated house and they yelled, Daddy, look, lights, 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 lights. And then we'd go a half a mile in darkness or so until we came on another house beaming with color. And again, they'd say, Mommy, look, look, it's lights. And that's how our ride went from Natick to Foxborough. It was joyous along the way. Well, what my kids did for me that evening, I want to do for you this morning. I want to point out to you that the light has come. Life has changed, and therefore we should joyfully respond to him. And to do this, as we make our way through John 1, I'm going to highlight three responses for us to take, for us to make They're simple, to recognize, to believe, and to worship. Recognize, believe, and worship. Before we read verse 1, answer these questions for yourself. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? What comes to your mind when you think about Jesus? If you were to describe Jesus, what would you say? Now look at verse 1 with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now right away, we hear the significance of the Word. First, the Word was at the beginning. Second, the Word was with God, which means John understands a discernible distinction between the Word and God. But of course, thirdly, John concludes with certainty that this word, although distinct, is God, is divine. Uh, Keep reading. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John gives us more details. This word is not some impersonal, abstract force. John doesn't refer to the word as it, but as he. That tells us this word is a person. From there, John details the creative activity of this person. This word was the means through which all of creation was made. 
And if you've read the Bible before, bells should be ringing in our ears, in our minds, when we hear these verses, because John 1 echoes Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, the first words of the Bible say, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we go on to read in that first chapter in Genesis, we discover that the action of speaking, it's speaking that God uses to create. Each of the acts of creation are broken up by this phrase, and God said, and God said, and God said, ten times. So when we show up in John 1 and read the words, in the beginning, John is in effect reinterpreting Genesis 1, giving clarity to those first words of the whole Bible, explaining to his readers that the word at work in Genesis 1 is a person. And although John waits to disclose who this is until verse 17, I'll tell it to you now that this word is Jesus, God himself. And with that said, John notes a problem. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Other translations will say the world did not recognize him. John points out this incredible irony that although everything was made by him, he's still not recognized by everyone. Which brings me to the very simple question I want to pose to you, which is, do you recognize Jesus for who he is? Do you recognize Jesus for who he is as God, as creator of the world? Not as a consummate teacher or the ideal person, not merely as a remarkable man, but as God. Any understanding of Jesus that denies his divinity reduces Jesus to something less than he is. And the irony that John describes still continues today. We can notice it even during this holiday season. Something that's interesting to witness leading up to Christmas is how movies and shows and songs still reference and acknowledge him. Another one that's interesting is to see how pervasive nativity scenes become. Uh, When I ask the question, what comes to your mind when you think about Jesus, if you just drive around, you might say a nativity set. They're that ubiquitous. But I wonder if there are some of us who treat Jesus kind of how we treat nativity sets. Here's what I mean. We may acknowledge that it holds some importance for what it represents, but at the end of the day, it's something we dust off once a year and then put away. It's just decoration. But those are not the actions of someone who recognizes, grasps that Jesus is God. So that's our first takeaway. Recognize Jesus as God. Recognize him as such. And if that's old news to you, then my charge to you is to continue. Continue to recognize Jesus for who he is. There is no shortage of objections, questions, and theories attempting to reduce Jesus to something less than he is. Continue to recognize Jesus as God. Now, while recognition is important, it's not the only thing that's required of us. And here we're moving to verses 4 to 13. These verses introduce the theme of light, something which shows up all over in John's gospel. In verse 9, we read that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
And this light came with a purpose, came with a purpose that people would believe. Not much earlier, we read that John the Baptist came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Later in verses 12 and 13, we read, all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And much like the presence of light, belief is a dominant theme through all of John. And this should be no surprise. John tells us the purpose of his whole book at the very end. Chapter 20, he says, Jesus did many other signs which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So from the beginning to the end, John's message is consistent. When the true light appears, it's not enough to notice. We must believe. Believe in him as the true light, creator of all things, God with us. That's our very simple second takeaway. Believe Jesus as the Son of God. Now, when you hear this appeal to believe, I don't want you to hear them as cold commands, as though they're the orders of some callous leader. When John calls his readers to believe in Jesus, he's imploring readers to take hold of what's better, to say, light is here. Don't settle for darkness. Light is here. If you look again at verses 12 and 13, we hear these words as a promise. If you believe in Jesus, you will belong to his family. And how many of us have ever wondered if we matter to someone else? How many of us have ever felt the sting of exclusion? Uh, How many of us have ever felt as though no one wanted to spend time with us? Well, I'm here to tell you, you matter to Jesus. And he wants you included in his family. Believe in him. Elsewhere in John, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he tells them, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. I must bring them in also. That flock of God, this flock of God, this family he invites you into isn't filled up yet. It's not full. Join the fold. Believe in Jesus. And when you do, when you believe, you are gifted with true life, everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus, whatever darkness you face now, with Jesus you can have confidence that Darkness will not overcome. The darkness will not overcome. There is an everlasting life to look forward to. And for those of you that believe in Jesus already, take this as a reminder. We know that darkness persists. We know that hard times still come. Keep believing. Don't reduce belief down to that one initial moment you had years ago. And don't let darkness bully you into thinking it's bigger than it is. If you believe Jesus, the true light, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of darkness. What does John tell us later at the end of the Bible? Is darkness there anymore? No. It's not there anymore. We'll say more on that in a minute. 
So if we recognize Jesus as God and we believe in him as such, we still aren't finished. We must worship him. Read the beginning of verse 14 with me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, To communicate to you the significance of these nine words, we need to consider everything that came before him. And to do that, we're going to go back to Genesis. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve knew what it meant to be near God. In Genesis 3, we read that Adam and Eve could hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of day. So in some way, Adam and Eve were familiar with God's presence. They were familiar with his footsteps. But all that changed when they ate of the forbidden fruit. If we finish the rest of verse 8, it says, The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Why were they hiding? Because they ate what they shouldn't have, and sin corrupted them. And as a result, not only did they hide from God, we hide from God, we go on to read that they, they blame one another. A blame game ensues, leading up to their necessary removal from the garden. Now, after Adam and Eve leave the garden, do things get better? Do things get better? If you've read any, if you spent any time in the Bible, you know, no, things do not get better. Things get worse. And let me quickly remind you how sin persists beyond Genesis 3. And we need to do this because it colors how we receive and understand the incarnation. Adam, as we just said, disobeyed when he ate the fruit. Noah got drunk after surviving the flood. Abraham handed over his own wife to Pharaoh because he feared for his own life. And later on has a child with his wife's slave because he doubted God's promise. Moses killed a man and towards the end of his life wrongly struck a rock for water. David slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then tried to cover it up by bringing the husband home. And after that failed, David had him killed. Do things get better after the garden? No, but that's not all. We've yet to mention how the people of Israel over and over again disobey God. They grumble, they curse, they sin. And more than this, we see the world is plagued with suffering, war, and death. Things do not get better after the garden. Sin persists. There's darkness. Now, despite all this, despite the sin and darkness that persists, is God's desire to be with his people ever diminished? No. Why can we say that? Why can we answer that way? Because of the incarnation. As we reflect on the incarnation, knowing all the darkness that came before it, we can say, When things got darker, God got closer. When things got darker, God got closer. The decline that sin brought did not deter God. If there was any hope for things to be made right again, he knew he had to come. Although there were hopeful glimpses of God's presence found in the tabernacle and the temple, neither of those were sufficient. God wasn't content dwelling with us in a box or a building, but in a body. When the Word became flesh, we witnessed the heart of God for His people. 
We see the great lengths he will go to be with humanity. So when we affirm God with us, we affirm God wants us. Hear me when I say God does not begrudgingly come down to be with us. It's not as if he comes in disgust, wincing at the thought of being near messy people. It's not as though God comes near to us out of obligation but would rather be somewhere else. No. When Jesus comes, his whole heart is in it. His whole heart is in it. Around this time of year, there are many parties and get-togethers we're invited to. There's stuff at work, stuff at church, family gatherings. Maybe your kids have class parties as well. There's so much that can go on between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And out of all those parties, there's probably one or two of them that you're not thrilled about. But maybe for some out there, we dread attending these events because who will be attending them? It could be a coworker you don't get along with, a parent you don't see eye to eye with, an uncle who always wants to argue, any number of scenarios, any number of conflicts you may have with people. Well, when Jesus came as a baby, the world was quite literally against him. How many times do we read of people's intent to stone, jail, or kill Jesus from his birth until the end of his death? If there was ever a person who was justified to stay away, it was Jesus. But he didn't stay away. He couldn't stay away. He knew we needed help. And despite the darkness, he came. If you were suffering and someone came to your side just to be with you, you would thank them, wouldn't you? And that's all I'm trying to point out to you. That's what worship can look like. Praising Jesus for coming to us in darkness. And so again, I ask you, recognize this Jesus. See his heart for humanity. Believe this Jesus, God's Son who came to us in darkness. Worship this Jesus the one who comes closer when things get darker. He comes to us closer when things get darker. <clears throat> Does your family uh, have a beloved spot where you vacation year to year? Like it's an uh, annual fixture you and your family do every summer or something like that. And each year you go and you know what to expect. Things are familiar. But also each year you go, you go with eyes that are older. You go a little more mature. And over time, you're able to somehow appreciate it anew, again and again. That's one way to think about Advent and the Incarnation. Now, we consider the birth of Jesus year to year, and each time we're able to appreciate something new, even if it's familiar to us. But the core teaching remains the same. And as I've been saying this morning... One essential aspect about the Advent, about Advent is contemplating Jesus' miraculous entry into the world to be near us, be with us. Another crucial as aspect, a part to consider, is the cross. Because the cross shows us that God's desire to be with his people isn't complete. Remember in the garden, Adam and Eve were familiar with God's footsteps. Well, God's goal is to restore something like the garden. 
only better, far better. Where there is no darkness. But in order for us to be home with God forever, God had to pay for us to enter. Left to our own merit, our own will, we fail, all of us. The debt, it's too large. But when Jesus became one of us, hung on the cross as one of us, rose from the dead as one of us, he makes a way for all of us. So what awaits us for all who believe, what awaits us for everyone who follows his way is a home. A home where we're all together again, only there is no darkness, no death to worry of. As we live right now, we live in the in-between, where darkness does not overcome, but it's not overthrown for good. Of course, God is still with us now in a body. As Scripture says elsewhere, we are God's body, made of many members. That's what the church is. And he is with us spiritually. However, now we preserve, we persevere, excuse me, and long for what's to come. Because as remarkable as spiritual presence is, we're not home yet. Not yet. John tells us what our future home is like. I'll never tire of reading these words, these verses. He tells us, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will Wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That promise, those words are made possible by Jesus' resurrection, crucifixion, and incarnation. It's made possible by Jesus, the true light. So, recognize him, believe him, worship him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, this time to get together, to sing to you, to pray to you, to hear how you speak to us in your word. You were so gracious to us that you came in darkness, that you got closer. Thank you for coming, for living, dying, being risen again, making a way for us possible to come home. God, between now and then, draw us to yourself. Help us to recognize, believe, and worship. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.